today, today, today. Today I want to look at the book of Ruth, uh, particularly chapter 2. And I, I want to go there because this is Family Life Church. And everything about this house, our language over the years has been centred around how we do life with the Lord, but as family. We're now his sons and daughters. We've been invited into that place because of what he did on the cross. And so I think there's some wonderful truth in the book of Ruth that we can learn from. And some, just some stuff that we have to learn. I guess all of us, we're all growing, we're all learning. So this is not me being a teacher saying you. We all have to step into a place where we grow in the things of God. But also if we're going to be family life church, if we're going to be family, we need to learn how do we do family amongst ourselves. But also can we do family better in our homes? Because really they're... They're so similar, it's not funny. And the house of God is supposed to be a family. Yeah? I was talking to a pastor recently from the other side of Melbourne. He has some very um, large thoughts and ideas. But one of the things that he believes is that church is broken and that the way that church operates is... He believes in the church, but the way the church operates is no longer valid. It needs to change. And he's got some wonderful scriptures and some teaching and I believe in most of what he says in part. I don't believe the church is broken. I believe that we're broken. I believe in the way that we do church is not the church's fault, it's our fault. You know, the places that you go to, they've got all the different programs and all that sort of stuff. It's not the church's fault that that's evolved. It's not the people, it's not the congregation. It's, it's us, we're broken. We're just trying to make things right. So I say all of that to say... If we want church to be all that God intended it to be, we need to get family right. And if we get family right, I think you'll see the church flourish in a way that it's never flourished before. Yeah? Um, so let me lead into some really scary stats, but first I'll pray. Father, you have to bless this message and all of us in this room and those listening in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. All right, cool, good. That gives us a starting point. Just some stats, some stats from the US. Recent stats. In 1972, you'll see where I mean recent in a second, 90% of Americans call themselves Christians. And if you look at our census, you'll see something very similar. Now, as of today, it's no longer 90%, it's only 64% that call themselves Christian. That's a huge difference. Huge difference. And... That 64% doesn't mean that they're sold out for Jesus. That's, di- that's different again. Because you can meet a Christian, like I said last week, you can meet people that say they're believers in Jesus and hold an offence against another. That's an oxymoron. That can't exist. If you're a Christian, you can't hold an offence because you forgive. Yeah? Let's keep moving. Another stat. Over one-third of Americans aged between the ages of 30 and 39... I'm not even in that age anymore, who were brought up in Christian households no longer identify with that faith. Yeah? Over one-third of Americans, let's, let's say 35% of that age bracket that were brought up in Christian homes no longer consider themselves Christian. That's, that's really scary. That should hit our heart because... I believe we need a family change. It needs to change within our homes. It needs to change within our churches. Something needs to shift, yeah, so that these numbers don't keep going up and up and up and up, especially if we're supposed to act, think, smell, talk like Jesus. And only even smell like Jesus, that's right, after a long walk, especially 
in the Israeli Jewish deserts. Anyway, only 20% of young adults that have been brought up outside of faith are actually now part of a church and have faith. 20%. So in America at the moment, those that weren't brought up in a Christian home, only 20% are finding their way to faith. Only 20%. That's challenging. So I have to ask the question, is our culture, is our church culture, are we as Christians, are we actually sold out for Jesus? Because I just, I wonder if we've lost something in translation somewhere that this can actually happen in a country, and it's happening in ours. Just have a, get, if you can get the local census, uh, the latest census figures, you'll see the drop of people that consider to, to be Christian compared to the past. Now, the church across the board internationally, it faces challenges, and this is just the foundation for where we want to go. And regardless of the size, because there's some huge churches in Australia, overseas, regardless of size, ethnicities, it, the church in general faces huge challenges. It's actually diminishing. It's, it's shrinking across the board. And it, it doesn't matter whether the church has bright coloured lights and smoke machines. Now, I like some of that stuff, by the way. I wouldn't mind a light bar with some colours, you know. If, if anyone here has the financial capacity, please, you know. But it's not my message. I like that stuff. You know, you've got churches that have got celebrity pastors. We've got churches that water down messages because, you know, as Christians, we've got to deconstruct our faith. Ever heard the language? We've got to deconstruct so we can reconstruct. The problem is when people reconstruct, they leave pieces behind, you know? And so they, they should be coming back built better than before, but they're not. We've, we've had the emerging church. I remember when this was creeping into churches of Christ. They, it used to be in all the language. I really hope someone for CCVT is watching at home. But we had the emerging church that never actually emerged. Yeah? And then, and then because of COVID, we've got home churches that actually now have never left their homes. Yeah? The churches, there's just challenges ahead. Now, one of my heart's passions is to work with the local church. I love getting to know the pastors. It gives me an excuse to have a coffee. Yeah? And we don't have to be the same denomination. I actually just love us working together in unity. Yeah? We should be on the same team. And not just to do something together like we did recently, but we, we need to be in such unity that we have a unity of heart that we celebrate each other, yeah? We celebrate our victories. We, we console each other in our, in our struggles, in our losses. There should be a real unity. It seems that in some places, though, we've moved from a spirit of unity that works together, that's united, to a spirit that's really competitive, yeah? And I don't think that, that's good for the church at all. You know, on Tuesday, I... I led a prayer meeting um, and I woke up on time um, for Churches of Christ, you know, just on Zoom. And I, I led them through a few things that I, I, I wanted, to, wanted them to pray for. But one of those things was that we would have unity and pray for unity amongst the churches, but a unity of heart. And I said, it's not a competition. And my point for that was to say, it's not about just bums on seats. It's about people growing. It's about their spirit, you know, uh, reaching new heights. And it's not about that church now has 200 people and this church only has 80 people. There should be a real unity together, yeah, 
a real thing of heart. And I, and I shared this simple story. This is true. This is happening in Ballarat. Um, my friend over at, at Rice Church, Harley, if you're watching, happy birthday for the other day. Um, they have sold their property, which is awesome, which means they're going to get a deposit, which is the, the cost of a house, just a deposit, which means they're able to do things to improve their kids' ministry and put in a, a lift for the mezzanine floor and all that sort of stuff. Just means they've got some money, right? Then he told me that one of their, their members, one of their parishioners, one of their, their family members, who's been in the church forever and ever, before he was even there, yeah, one has recently passed, which is really sad. The person didn't have family, and they've left a six-figure bequeath to the church. I oh, know, outstanding. We should celebrate that. But when, I, when he told me that, I wasn't celebrating. I go, that sucks, dude. What about us? What about Family Life Church? You know, what about me? Like, Lord, I think, I think the wrong person died. I think it was supposed... No, I didn't say that. No. And then you've got my, my other friend over at... at I've got to get it right. Peel Street Church of Christ. Not Ballarat Central. They've changed their name. It's Peel Street. So... Tim, Tim's, Tim's doing a phenomenal work there. They, they've just renovated their real hall and, and all their volunteers were older than me. And, and, and they, they've just got skill sets and they've just done stuff. And I'm thinking, this is phenomenal. Yeah? And just some things that have worked out and I'm celebrating with him, but deep down inside, I gave him the royal salute that I can't do here. Um, and I was like, that's not fair. What about us? And so with Churches of Christ, I was saying, you know what, not just me, but in general, I reckon there must be people like that sometimes. There must be pastors like that, leaders like that. We're, we're, we're thankful that that church is doing well. We're thankful that they're growing. We're stoked that they've got money, but hey, what about me? And so we lose all of the joy and all of the reality of a, of a united heart. We have to be united. And there's one thing that I know in a family that works well with its ups and downs, ebbs and flows. One child doesn't get jealous of the other child because the other child's got a better job. And the older child doesn't get jealous because they had daughters but the younger sister had um, sons. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, they don't get jealous amongst themselves, they celebrate each other. They sell it, oh, did you just sell your house? You, how much did you get? And you bought where? That's phenomenal. It's not like, oh, mate, you know, I, I, really, I was hoping you'd lose that house. In a real family, they celebrate each other, yeah, don't they? Don't they come around? Like one brother, like my kids, they're good sportsmen because they, they get, their, get that from their dad and their, and their dad. And, 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 uh, and, Recently, you know, they sometimes get invited to try out for combined teams. Now, I know that all of us want to be the pinnacle and want, want to be noticed, but I love the way that they champion each other. I love the way that they, in there, you know, punching in the arms, I love the way that they say, you can do it, that's fantastic that you got, you're getting a chance. In family, we need to be able to come together united and champion each other and not pull each other down. And, and there's, a, there's a real point to all of this that I think we need to harness and garner because some of us can feel, like we don't outwardly, you know, say, well, that really sucks. But, you know, sometimes 
we don't actually champion that other person or those people or those churches because we have this sadness inside us because we think we're missing out. You know, fear of missing out, FOMO, is that, is that the right acronym? You know, we shouldn't have as Christians a fear of missing out at all. So I say all of that to say we should have a kingdom mindset. And we're going to look at the book of Ruth. And we, I'm going to read one scripture from Judges because this actually, I think, captures our society, but it also captures the, the, the time that the book of Ruth was written. Yeah? And that's Judges 21, verse 25. Very simple verse. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Doesn't that feel like today? Seriously. Everyone did as they saw fit. Now look, I don't mind being controversial. I don't mind, you know, throwing punches. I don't mind stirring a pot. So, regardless of what your personal belief is, this is not a judgment either way. This is not criticism. It is commentary. My daughter sent through a text to our family Facebook page. She works at Swinburne University. They're about to give a leave day for transgender people so that they can work through their emotions and stuff after an operation. Now, whether you agree with their decision to change their sex or not, it's not what I'm here, that's not what I'm here to argue. My point was, that's, I don't think that's right. The cancer patient doesn't get an additional day off on top of their sick leave. Why, does, why do these people get a day off? on top of their sick leave? Why are they being, you know, um, why is this favour on this small group? It's not right. You need to, if you're going to do that, you need to spread that across the board. I'm sharing just to say, we're in a world at the moment that, let me read the scripture again, everyone did as they saw fit. Yeah? I don't think it's common sense to be able to say, okay, now, if you have some major surgery and you've got to amputate your toe, you get an extra day on top of your sick day. You might think you should, but basically that's what sick, sick days are for. People are just doing whatever they want. Is, have I made any sense there at all? Yeah? I'm sure I've offended some, but that's okay. I, I, I offend people. Yeah? People can make whatever decision they like with their body. That's not my argument. My argument is that everyone's doing whatever they want and there's different opinions on multiple sides of the fence. The fence isn't just two-sided. Yeah? That's the world that we live in today. This is where Ruth comes in. Yeah? Ruth comes into a world where they were doing whatever they wanted. And so chapter 1 is really... It refers to that time in Judges, in Judges 21, but we're going to jump into Ruth uh, in chapter 2. And in those days, the covenant that Israel had with God, it wasn't central in the hearts of the people. It wasn't central. They were doing whatever they wanted, okay? But there were really some that cared about the covenant with God, and Boaz was one of those. And, and if you read the story in the book of Ruth, and you'll see that even with Naomi's struggle, yeah, Ruth came to understand how, I guess, the importance of covenant land, the importance of a covenant with God, the importance of the covenant people, the importance of the covenant law. And so all of that to say, now we're going to jump into something that's going to teach us how to be family. 
Wow, got through all of that. You look all so serious. Some of you think I've got no idea what you're talking about. You just offended half of Australia. That's okay, no problem. Like I said last week, they can't hold an offence. They have to forgive me. Yeah. Um, so, one of the words that I'm going to be using this morning because it's in scripture is gleaning. But back then, there were some people, even though they were doing whatever they wanted, back then there were some people that still believed in the Old Testament. They still believed in the Old Testament laws, yeah? that God's ways are the best ways, and which is really where I want to underline, emphasise, make bold. It's where I want to go, that God's ways are the best ways. So we're going to jump into Ruth chapter 2. It's a little bit like jumping. Ruth chapter 2 is like they were in a winter season and they're about to move into a spring season. It's like going from a cold, hard place into a place of warmth. This is, this is what starts to happen in Ruth chapter 2. And it reads from verse 1 in chapter 2. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man, stand, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So everyone, meet Boaz, right? Here he is. And, and Boaz is important because whenever Boaz is mentioned, whenever he's around, things start to change. Things start to fall out. They become warmer when he's around. And though we're in the book of Ruth, if, if Ruth is the star of this story and the book's named after her, then Boaz is the patient husband redeemer. That's the role that he plays, Yeah? And Boaz is a reminder that if you and I want to move forward from the winter season that we might be in into some form of a spring season, then you and I need to learn how to be patient. And we're in, <laughs> we're in a culture that does whatever they want and none of us are used to being patient. Who gets patient at a drive, impatient at a drive-thru when there's cars in front of them that are taking a long time? Don't lie. Who gets impatient when they go to the car wash and every bay is full and you feel like the person is just taking his time? Who gets impatient at a supermarket when there's 50 people waiting to buy their groceries but there's only one checkout opened? Yeah? Come on. All of us. Lucky that in this country we don't carry guns, amen? So... Well, that's how it starts, like, you know, I know I make light of it, but it starts somewhere, yeah? So you and I, if, we, if we're in a hard place and we want to get out of that place, we've got to learn to be patient. That's the whole thing. We've got to learn to be patient. Now, God can do anything at any time straight away. He can heal you of an addiction on the spot there and then. He can heal you of a heroin addiction in one prayer, but he can also heal you of a heroin addiction over two or three years when you're on the methadone program. Yeah? He can do things exceptionally fast. I mean, didn't he create light? He said, let there be light. And I don't even know how fast light travels, so he must be faster than that if he can create it. Like, he can do stuff super, super fast. But as we read scripture, even particularly this scripture, it seems that more often than not, when God works in our hearts, he works slowly. He, he's, more, he, he's more like a slow cooker God than a microwave God. Is that fair? Yeah, like he does, it just slowly. And let's face it, if you've got the right ingredients in the slow cooker, how good is it, yeah? Like seriously, we, that we know. So that just seems to be the type of God that we have. I mean, we can't make instant disciples. Discipleships are patient and long work that happens over time. The Bible tells us it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. 
Yeah? It's not how you start the race, it's how you finish it. All of those things. And, and God's plans, they work out here for Ruth and for Boaz and for Naomi, but they're almost agonisingly slow. So some of us just need to be reminded of this. If you're in a winter season in your own family, if you're in a winter season here in this church or whatever church that you attend for those that are at home, be patient. Be patient. You can't say you trust God and be impatient. That's not trusting him. Because his time is not our time, is it? Yeah. We need to learn to be patient that spring will actually come. Probably not as quickly as we would like, but it's coming. I'm just going to share bits as we go through these verses. Verse 2, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I've found favour. And Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. Naomi said, Go ahead, my daughter. So here it is. Some of us sometimes, we're in our winter seasons and we're waiting for a spring season. We become impatient. Yeah? The thing is, though, with Naomi saying, go ahead, my daughter, sometimes to move into a spring season, it's going to need some action on our part. If you're not happy with where you're at, if your winter, if your struggle, if your tribulation is getting you down, maybe, just maybe, maybe it's because you haven't stepped out in faith to do something that God needs you to do. Because I think so often we, we think that God is like a magician or, or the Wizard of Oz and he does his wand and all of a sudden we're in financial debt then we're not in financial debt. Maybe he was waiting for us while we were in financial debt to get a job or start applying for a better one or do something that can make some money so that he can bless it. Yeah, If we want to get out of our winter season yeah, we need to take action as families. When we see people that are in their winter season, maybe some action that needs to be taken is we need to come up alongside people to encourage them, to love them, to know so that they know that they're loved. Because the last thing that you want to do is, you know, well, what's the story about the ugly duckling? Yeah, felt like he didn't belong. Yeah, like no one talked to him. Well, he was from a different family. But maybe if his brothers and sisters had talked to him, it would have been different. Just maybe. Let's rewrite the children's story, but you might as well while we're at it, hey? You know, I love the fact that, you know, there's nothing like trusting God, but then there's being obedient in the next step. And Naomi, it was Naomi's idea to come back to Bethlehem. You know, if, read the book. It's, it's, it's a wonderful book. But I love it that it was a young Ruth that was actually proactive it was her leadership that starts to come through as you read it. And, and it's her leadership that steps into the story even beyond Naomi's. Even though Naomi was the one that said, let's go back to Bethlehem. All of a sudden, she becomes the star. You know? Ruth will go to the fields and she'll pick over all the leftover grain. And that's where we get this word gleaning from. You know, gleaning, gleaning's not a, a, a supermarket trolley run, right? Gleaning is more like showing up to an Easter hunt, Easter egg hunt, 30 minutes late. That's what gleaning's like. Just about everything's gone. But you're allowed to go over the field anyway to pick what remains. And the beauty is that God's law in the Old Testament, it actually protected the poor. It protected the poor by saying, hey, the grain, there's grain in this field. It doesn't belong to you. It's going to be gathered by the owners. But... 
Whatever they drop is yours so that you don't starve, so that you don't go without. There's always provision for others to go in second. Even though it was harder work yeah, than the first, the people that owned the land, they were able to go. So God, in his word, made provision for those that didn't have. It would be wrong, I guess, for those that didn't own the land to, to pick it first, would it? wouldn't it? I mean, if I've got a vegetable garden and you jump the fence and you took all my tomatoes, apart from wanting to smack you with a tomato stick, if I could catch you, it's not the right thing to do. But if I've picked my tomatoes and then said, please go, if there's it, whatever's left is yours, that's different, isn't it? Yeah? Gleaning was so different. It was put in the Old Testament to say that we will have compassion for the poor. There's a point here, yeah? Because so often you see in families where they cut off children, they cut off mums and dads, they cut off grandparents, they cut off people that become a burden to them. You see that in church life, there are always those that are going to struggle more than somebody else. If there's provision in the Old Testament law to look after the poor, maybe as a family and as a church, we're supposed to look after as much as possible. And not just, let's go and look after the poor. Let's go and find them. Let's give them food and money. Maybe, maybe we should start within family and see what's needed here and start to invest into that so that can, someone can say, you know what? I mean, I don't know why they did, but you know, there was this hard week and there was these bills and I had this car accident and one day someone... And I opened the door and, they, were, and they, they, just, they gave us some food for four days and there was an envelope and they gave us some money and then I wonder what church would be like then if we all had eyes to see and ears to hear what was happening amongst our own church, amongst our family, amongst those that come into the door. You know, gleaning is a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture. And, and there's something that that we have to grab hold of and we have to live out here at Family Life Church. Doesn't it say in 1 John 3.17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions in truth. That's a really hard scripture. Mate, Maybe we should just not preach that here ever again. Maybe we should, for those that still own paper Bibles, you can't rip it out of the, the electronic ones. This is why the paper ones are better. If you don't like a scripture, you can just rip it out. You know, you just, you get rid, once it's gone, it's not there. It's just not there. It's there, isn't it? It's there for all to see. Family has to be lived out. And if we can't do it when we're relatively small, how are we going to manage when the Lord brings the broken? If our vision in this place, right, is to be a safe haven, a safe place for all people so that God can restore and then reveal them for his glory, then we've got to have eyes that see when people walk in, when people are struggling. But you know what? In family, there's one thing I've learned in family. If my kids have no money... They still, they have no shame. There's no shame. We need money. What for? Because. Because what? 
I want to spend it on Xbox. I want to buy some food because you haven't given me money lately because you lent it from us and you have to give it back. Whatever it might be, you know? right? Like, hello, I'm a school kid and I'm using my own cash. Can I have money so that I can Uber something? Like, they've got no shame. We're going to the football. Um, can we have money? Yeah, sure. Is five bucks enough? No. Is ten? No. Can you just give me 20? Okay, we'll give you 20. Where's the change? What change? There's no shame. There's no shame. So here's the point, yeah? We have to get this because we, we so get it here. You've got to hear me. We get it here, but none of us like it here. If we're struggling, don't let shame hold you back. Grab someone in the house that you trust and say, you know what? I need 50 bucks. I need 100 bucks. I've got a bill I can't pay that I've extended twice. Oh, I didn't know. No, you didn't. Well, we didn't know because you didn't say anything. And sometimes maybe we can't help or the person you ask can't help, but maybe, maybe we can come alongside you and help you get help. We have to get to a place of no shame in family. Yeah? If we're going to be family. If it's in the Old Testament, if, if, it, if it worked then, then certainly it has to work now. You know, our church has to look more like a country, uh, more like a country club, more like a hospital than a country club. We have to look more like a hospital than a country club. You know why? Because God's going to bring the broken and he's going to bring the lost. Yeah? And we're not always going to see eye to eye and some of them are going to smell, they're going to be on the nose, they're not going to dress the same, they're going to have some addictions that we don't understand. Yeah? But you know what? Do you know when you call yourself a member of any church? But let's just talk about ours, Family Life Church. If you're, if you're someone that calls this place home, you know what you are? You are the resident doctors and surgeons of the house. So if someone's hurting and ill and sick, don't look at me. Man, look, look in the mirror. Look at the people next to you. If we're going to be a family, it's not only up to mum and dad. It's up to the grandparents and the great-grandparents and the children. It's the whole kit and caboodle working together. Verse 3 reads, So she went out, entered a field, began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, I love that phrase, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech, that word. As it turned out, if we want to slip into our spring, it takes action on our part, but we need to know one thing. Regardless of what happens, God is in control. As it turned out, as it turned out, God is in control. God is in control. And I know this year's a funny year. It's probably not all that smooth and easy. I felt like we'd gotten through COVID, never even heard the word again. It's like a swear word. It's the C word. Anyway, right? and then all of a sudden people are getting COVID. Hello? Really? Just call it a cold. No, I can't because I did a rat test and the little line came up. No, that's a pregnancy test. Oh, no, it was actually a rat test. You know, like COVID, it's back. Like this year is so messy. But I know one thing. Winter might be cold and winter might be hard, but spring is coming. And as it turned out, God is in control. God is totally in control because I believe spring is a gift from God. I believe when we step into the things of God, when things start to warm up in our lives and in the lives of those around us, I believe we're walking into the destiny of God. Doesn't it say that all good things come from God? So it doesn't... At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter how long we've been in those winters. Sometimes those winters are longer than others and sometimes it's so unfair. But God is in control. 
It's that old saying, what's it saying? It's Friday. Remember that old clip, it's Friday but Sundays are coming, you know? It's winter but spring's coming. Breakthrough's coming. Victory's coming. And those victories are a gift from God. Everything that's good, everything that's perfect, it says in James 1, is a gift from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Man, I love that. Any... Anything good that you and I have is from God. Yes, we've worked at it, but as it turned out. Yes, we studied it, but as it worked out. As we gave it, but as it turned out. As we planned it, but as it turned out. It's from God. Back to Ruth, verse 4. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does, does that young woman belong to? <laughs> Belong to, belong to. Not a word that we use today, not a phrase that we use today, but in Bible culture, in those days, there was an expectation that women needed to be protected. Yeah, and maybe you're a woman here and you don't want to be protected. That's just silly. I'm a male and I want to be protected. Yeah? Like, seriously, I want to be protected. You know, like some parts, I grew up in West Footscray, I go to Sunshine, I want to be protected. You know, like, you know. That culture was an expectation that women need protection. And, and in this story, three of the men in Naomi and Ruth's life had already died. And Naomi had been fulfilling the role of protector over Ruth as best as she could. But now Ruth's growing. And, and Ruth, after this long journey, particularly back to Bethlehem, she's recognising that some action is needed, you know. What I love about this is Naomi is fulfilling the role of protector. Who, who's got a person in their life that's older than them that looks after them? Anybody still? Who, who's the older person that's looking after someone younger? Yeah, most people. Well, some of you aren't being looked after and aren't protected, aren't protecting anyone. Wow, you guys have got all the time in the world. That's awesome. Do you know what? You and I... It, there's a reality. There is such a sweet thing when there's a caring older person looking after you. There is such a sweet thing. My mum's 89 and I ring her. She always says, oh, you've remembered me, have you? I could have been dead. <laughs> so I respond with, you could have rung me. I could have been dead. And then we argue for a little bit, right? And then it's like, so how are you going, mum? I'm good. And then she'll ask, how are you? Do you need anything? Is there anything you want? Are you coming past this week? I don't think so. Well, I've got eggs for you because she goes, gets them from a local farm. You know what? Because we get older doesn't mean we stop caring. We actually keep caring. We keep protecting. Yeah? We keep doing that. There's something beautiful in that. It's good to have friends that are older than you. Yeah? It's good to have friends that are the same age as you. But it's also good to have friends that are younger than you that you can invest into. You know, over the years, particularly here at this church, we've talked about we all of us should have mentors in our lives. Like, you know, shame on you if you don't have a mentor in your life. You should have one, two, three, four. I mean, you should have, if you're at school, you should have one that can mentor you through your schooling. If you're working, have one that mentors you through your workplace. If you're married, have one that mentors you in your relationship. Because they're good things when people speak into our lives. And not only that, as we learn, as we mature, as we become full of wisdom, yeah, um, we, can stand, we can then start mentoring others and speaking into other people's lives. 
We need to learn how to do that. It's a good thing for us to be mentored and to have mentors. That's how family works. If you're a family that's got a lot of kids, mum and dad look after the older kids and the older kids look after the younger kids and the younger kids look after the younger kids and the grandkids come and then the parents don't even get a chance at the grandkids because the grandparents, at, the, at those new children, because the grandparents are pushing them out the way because grandparents now want to be baby hogs, right? I think because they know they can give them back. Yeah, but there's this, this, this thing that happens, you know, where they're just naturally caring on each other. It has to happen in our homes, but it has to happen here. Yeah? I mean, John's not here today. He told me he wasn't going to be here today. But John, John's just lost his wife. And yet he's visited here two or three times since then, walks in the door and goes, how are you going? Man, are you for real? Are you serious? I should be asking that of you. You know what? That's how a church should work. We should be loving on each other. I haven't seen you. We don't say that because we want you to feel guilty that you haven't been to church. If you feel guilty, that's your shame, not mine. We say it because legitimately we've missed you. Yeah? Like, oh, wow. Now I can't say it again. I won't repeat it the same. But, you know, like, hello, if you've not been here, we miss you. We miss you. You're part of family. Is everything okay? Has something kept you away? We're not prying, but is there somewhere? Can we come alongside? Oh, you can't. I didn't know your car broke down. What's wrong? I've got a flat. I couldn't take it to get fit. Well, let me help you do that. What is it? Can we help you? Come on, that's family, isn't it? That's how it was then. That's how it should be now. Community in action. Family life church. Think about the name of this church. Family life family life. If we're not representing family life, then I don't know what we're representing. You know, Boaz was concerned for her safety. And, and Boaz is generally considered to be a little bit older and youth is a, is a young widow. Probably some suggest unable to have children, but that's another story. And yet she's not afraid to work. And one of the keys to family is to rightly respect and protect women. You know, we don't talk about that at church, but you know what? If it's in the Old Testament, if it's in the New, we need to acknowledge that. We need to rightly respect and protect women. If we want a family that revolutionises what church looks like and what family looks like, that our kids and our grandkids can mimic and follow in our footsteps, then we need to get this right, that there's a right way to respect and protect women. And let me say this, that means... People thought I was, I was shooting with both barrels last week talking about... Um, offense. That means that as Christians, each and every one of us, male or female, regardless of age, whether you're here in another church, whether you're listening at home, each and every one of us must be against pornography if we're to respect women, if we're going to protect women. Each and every one of us needs to be against that. Reality is that there are more and more people that fall into that trap, male and female. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just something to be worked on. If we want to respect women, then, hey, it's, if you're a person that struggles with it, that's okay, but let's get victory over that as soon as possible. Because, man, there are people that you can talk to about that. There's no shame in that. We've got to work past it, especially if we want our culture to get rid of it or to work over it or to get, part, to, to get victory over it. Just look at where, where the world has gone over the last 50 years. There's some stuff now that's acceptable that's actually quite disgusting. Yeah, And you and I, we need wisdom on how we navigate through that stuff. We just do. But, but it, it was the respect of women that was in the mind of Boaz. I mean, that is just beautiful. 
He made sure that she worked on his land. The scripture says, he goes, don't work on any other land lest you be harmed. Yeah, He wanted to make sure that she was safe. That in this family, not just for the women, but for each and every one of us, for our kids, our, our teenagers, our adults, our young people, we should be, should be our heart to make sure that each and every one is respected and protected. Amen? That's family. That's how it should be. And so if someone comes up to you and goes, did you hear about Andrew? I heard that he's gorging on chocolate at 12.02am every day. Now, whether that's true or not, right? Whether that's true or not, one, you should go up to that person, slap them upside of your head, uh, side of their head, so it's none of your business. But hey, rather than sharing the gossip, why don't we go talk to him and see if he needs some help in that area? Yeah, we should be protecting one another. Yeah, it, it's not, it, it's nothing to be embarrassed or ashamed of if you've got struggles. We've all got struggles. I don't ever want to walk into a church that presents itself that now that we're living the abundant life, we no longer have life's troubles. What a load of, I'm sorry, I'm offending somebody else again. What a load of crap. We have struggles. Yeah, let's embrace those and walk with each other. Let's respect each other. Let's protect each other. Let's protect the women that are in our midst, not as a lesser person but as equals. Man, verse 6, I'm out of time already. So I'm just, I want to get these two bits and then I'm going to leave it and I'll continue next week. It says, the overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. Do you all see the irony of that? This is Andrew and um, he's the Melbourneite that came from Melbourne. How stupid can you be and still breathe? If I'm a Melbourneite, obviously I came from Melbourne. You know, like, she's the, she's the Moabite that came from Moab. But when, when that person said that, it was a negative. It was supposed to actually be a wall that would stop her and make it difficult for her, right, to get married because she's from Moab. That's like, oh, she's from Moab. Oh, he's from West Footscray. Oh, no. You know, like, it was like that. Yuck. It was meant to be a negative. It was supposed to cause trouble. It was supposed to be a setback. So someone needs to hear this because sometimes in the winters of our life, yes, it requires action as we trust in God, but to step into our springs, sometimes there's setbacks. But God's still in control. As it turned out, God is still in control. But we need to be patient still, even when there's setbacks. I love her response in the midst of what should have been a setback. Please let me, she says. Please let me. Please let me. She didn't see this as a setback to deter her. So if you're, if you're in a season and you feel like you're not moving forward, you feel like there's been setback after setback, I'll just say this. Shadrach, Meshach and Abnego had to walk through their fire before they got to the Messiah. Sometimes we just have a journey to walk before we can get to our spring. Yeah? And she said in verse 7, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till, till now, except for a short rest in the sh shelter. She stuck to the task. She trusted in the Lord. I'm going to ask people to stand just because of, of the time. I just want us to grab hold of these principles, and I will continue here next week. 
She worked hard. Spring, if we want our spring, and if we're stuck in winter, yes, we trust in the Lord, and sometimes it requires action, but sometimes that action is hard work. She worked hard. Because the blessings of the Lord doesn't mean that we go back to sleep. The blessings of the Lord don't mean that we can be lazy. You know, we're not talking about our salvation. Sometimes we've got to work at things. Who, for those of us that are couples, who wants a blessed relationship? Okay. Do you pray for it? Okay. And then you do nothing, correct? <laughs> Bravo! Oh, well, you guys are out. <laughs> Let me speak to this side. <laughs> Do you know what? Even if we pray for a good marriage, we still have to work at it. I've still got to take my wife out to dinner, even though it costs a fortune, because I eat a lot. You know, like, yeah, it's not her fault. <laughs> we still have to work at it, even though we've prayed for it. Who wants good children, well-behaved children, or children that grow up in the things of God? And we pray for it. And then we let them do whatever they want, don't we? No, of course not. Then we actually tried to guide them and we love them because we've got to work at it even though we've prayed for it so often when we're stuck in our winter and we're praying to the Lord, I don't want to be here. And I'm telling you, I know those seasons, yeah? And so I make jest because I can. But when we're there, we're like, God, I, I, I don't know if I can stay here anymore. I don't know if I can put up with this anymore. I can't. I feel like... I feel like I was always through that there was light at the end of the tunnel, but now there's a setback and, and there's this. You know what I know? I know this, that God will actually be faithful. I've still got to step towards where I want to go. I can't just sit there and imagine it's going to happen. Yeah? I can pray to the Lord and he can do things like that, but he's waiting for me to step out in faith. I trust him, trust him in all things, and he tells me something. He's told me something. I've got to step towards it. I pray, I want a good marriage. God says, okay, you'll have a good marriage. Now, step towards it. Do the things that you have to do. Speak to your wife. Be loving. Massage her. Make her a cup of tea. Take her out for dinner. Cook dinner more than once every five years. Pick up the vacuum cleaner. Break it so you never have to do it again. You know, um, all those things. You know, this, we still have to work towards it, yeah? I want us to step into our springs. I want us to move out of our winters. And I want us as a family to be such a family that everyone that walks in the door experiences what Ruth experienced from Boaz. Yeah? So, hey, why don't we pray and we'll enjoy some coffee together and we'll pick up somewhere next week in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you, Lord, because you're a wonderful God. You're a good God. You're an outstanding God and we trust you in all things. And Father, this day I pray that the words that have been shared are truth, God, the truth that bring life. I pray, God, that the things that have been shared will be things that, Father, we can put into practice in our homes, but, Father, also in this home, this church, this place, that people that come, Father, would experience the love and the acceptance and the protection, Father, uh, just, Lord, that they're entitled to, that they would walk into this place and, Father, know no, 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 that they are in a house of God. So, Lord, bless us all this day as we walk away. Lord, let all things work together for good for those that love God, and we look forward to spending time with you each and every day. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.